This is the Affirm America podcast, where we stand up and speak out affirming American excellence. Coming to you deep in the heart of the Midwest, located in an undisclosed log cabin on the outskirts of town, your host, Marquis Vandemark. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Affirm America podcast. On this Thursday, October the 6th, 2022, we got another string of beautiful days today, blue skies, gorgeous sunrise this morning, just uh, unbelievable sunrise. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Affirm America podcast. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Hope you're having a wonderful week. These are your top five headlines for this Thursday. Let's start off with headline number five. Ron DeSantis about illegal aliens caught looting. They should not be here at all. From the Daily Mail, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis revealed Tuesday that three of the four looting suspects arrested in Lee County were in the United States illegally. DeSantis focused on law and order in southwest Florida and drew a connection between that as his opposition to President Joe Biden's immigration policies. These are people that are foreigners. They're illegally in our country. But not only that, they try to loot and ransack in the aftermath of a natural disaster, DeSantis explained. From the New York Post, meanwhile, DeSantis again warned would-be looters of potentially deadly consequences saying that Floridians' right to defend themselves and their homes will be honored. He said on Monday he had interrupted his hurricane duties to attend a memorial service for Pinellas County's Sheriff's Deputy Mike Hartwick, who got killed by a twice-deported illegal alien from Central America. So this is what we get with having illegals in our country that don't understand our laws and think that they can just take advantage of a natural disaster and to loot and ransack the homes of those that were impacted by Hurricane Ian. The immigration policies of the Biden administration is nuts. It needs to be changed. It need, they need to close the border. We need to stop the invasion of our southern border. Over 2 million illegals have come across. It's affecting everybody up and down the line, not only increased crime, but we also have wage gouging. In other words, they're competing against the Americans driving down the wages. It's not good. We're also paying for many of their services. It needs to stop. We're 33 days out until the midterm elections. So we need to be ready to vote. We need to be ready to voice our opinion. And let's get ourselves ready and put a stop to the southern border invasion. All right, headline number four. NYU professor fired because his classes were too challenging for students. From Fox News, Maitland Jones Jr., a chemistry professor at New York University, who also taught for four decades at Princeton, was fired in August after undergraduate students circulated a petition complaining that his course was too difficult. Dozens of the college students, many of them aspiring doctors, signed on to the petition in the spring. Jones, 84, told the New York Times that he started seeing a loss of focus among students about a decade ago, but the problem was exasperated by the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. 
Quote, they weren't coming to class, that's for sure, because I can count the house, end quote, Jones told the newspaper. Quote, they weren't watching the videos, and they weren't able to answer the questions, end quote. New York Post, in their petition, students said that a class with such a high percentage of withdrawals and low grades has failed to make students learning and well-being a priority. One of Jones' teaching assistants, Zachariah Ben Slomney, defended his former boss. I think this petition was written more out of unhappiness with exam scores than an actual feeling of being treated unfairly. From the New York Times, Instead of weeding out the students who failed to make the grade, NYU invoked the increasingly popular American response, if the goal is too hard to reach, move the goalposts. The article said those who fail organic chemistry might not be admitted to medical school. That's good news. If I were hospitalized with a possibly fatal illness, would my doctor decide that finding a correct diagnosis was just too hard? So this is the uh, dumbing down of America. This is where the snowflakes, this is where cultural Marxism really has an effect on our people, taking away competitiveness, taking away grades, that everybody should be equal, equity, equality. This is the results of this type of ideology, that we take away the tough exams because we want to make it easier on people. Well, that's not, that's not the best option here, folks. It's, it's people that take the time to do the hard work to excel in their careers and their excellence, especially when it comes to being a doctor working in a hospital. I mean, can you imagine sitting there with a fatal illness? You just had a heart attack or you have cancer, deadly disease, and the doctor comes in and he flunked chemistry and he's uh, just shooting from his hip making decisions based on his gut feeling, but not with the science. That's too bad. NYU, they made a big mistake by firing a, uh, a tough professor because I think the students are the ones that need to buckle down, get rid of their cell phones, stop watching YouTube videos, and get serious about studying if they want to become a medical doctor. All right, headline number three, Supreme Court to look at Section 230 which could have significant effect on how social media platforms operate. From ABC, the Supreme Court agreed this week to hear a challenge to a fundamental legal protection enjoyed by social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. The ruling could dramatically change how those platforms operate, even affecting search engines like Google. The case concerns Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, which protects social media platforms, and other sites from legal liability that could result from content posted by users. The law was drawn criticism from elected officials across the political spectrum. Hugh Hewitt, Twitter and Google have been sued by victims of ISIS for their propagation of the terrorist group's propaganda over the many years that they existed till Donald Trump crushed them in the early year of his presidency. However, Section 230 is a shield. One thing that will interest me is, does that shield make them government actors? I think that will also be a debate. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that the Supreme Court might take up this uh, Section 230. We've seen a lot uh, over the election cycles in 2020, the censorship, 
Facebook, Twitter, censoring, suppressing articles, the Boblinsky revelations of the Biden administration and Joe Biden and his son and brother with the business deals in China, the, him being compromised by the CCP, all these things, uh, censorship, free speech. I'm glad that the Supreme Court's going to take a look at it. There needs to be some changes. They need to open the free speech corridor and allow for people to express their ideas without bias from a large tech company. So I hope uh, they can come to some agreement that uh, allows for free speech and also doesn't have government overreach, but at the same time makes them liable when they do suppress important information that needs to be promoted and spoken about on the social media platforms. All right, headline number two, rising interest rates hit housing market hard. Fox News, in the past week, overall application activity dropped to its slowest pace since 1997. Demand for mortgage application plunged 14.2%, according to the weekly mortgage application survey from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The 30-year fixed rate hit 6.75% last week, the highest rate since 2006, said Joel Kahn, MBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting. The current rate has more than doubled over the past year and has increased 130 basis points in the past seven weeks alone. Home prices in the U.S. are sinking at the fastest monthly pace since the Great Recession, evidence that rising mortgage rates are rapidly slowing activity in the housing market. Unfortunately, folks, it's uh, not good news. That's bad news. This is all a result of uh, bad economic policy. Too much spending, too much printing money, inflation, increased interest rates as a result to try to curb inflation. And now we're seeing uh, stagflation as a result. Housing is dropping. It's out of reach for most people. High interest rates. People become squeezed. The economy slows down. Businesses slow down. So we're in for some, uh, some tough times. We need to get out and vote. We need to stop these radical Democrats and their spending policies. And I believe even after the midterms, if they do lose all branches of the government, they are going to spend like drunken sailors during the lame duck session. So keep an eye out for that. They're going to burn the house down before they leave their positions because that's what they do. They're Democrats. All right, headline number one, Biden denounces OPEC reduction in oil output. From the Daily Wire, Saudi Arabia helped Russia push for higher worldwide oil prices on Wednesday alongside other members of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC. The alliance announced that member states would cut oil output by 2 million barrels per day beginning in November, constituting 2% of global oil demand. Russian fuel is currently trading worldwide at a discount as European consumers refrain from purchasing the nation's fuel. New output restrictions could provoke the United States to release more oil from the strategic petroleum reserves, which are presently at their lowest levels in four decades. From the Financial Times, the Biden administration criticized the move on cuts, saying it was a short-sighted decision at a time when maintaining a global supply of energy is of paramount importance. A White House spokesman told reporters on Air Force One it was clear OPEC was aligning with Russia. 
from CNN, but with just a month to go before the critical midterm elections, U.S. gasoline prices have begun to creep up again, posing a political risk the White House is desperately trying to avoid. As U.S. officials have moved to gauge potential domestic options to head off gradual increases over the last several weeks, the news of major OPEC plus action presents a particularly acute challenge. So Joe Biden needs to know that releasing the strategic petroleum reserves is not a solution to the energy crisis. First of all, there's a finite amount of reserves, and they're there for a specific reason, for a national security protection, not to be used to lower gas prices. Donald Trump topped off the strategic petroleum reserves, filled them all the way up to the top, and Joe Biden has completely depleted them at 40-year lows. That's a crime against that will be addressed after the midterms if the Republicans can take back the House and the Senate. So we're 33 days out, folks. Let's not forget that this is probably the most important midterm election in our lifetime. And we all need to be ready to go. We need to get our friends together. Make sure you get out and vote on November the 8th. All right, those are your top five headlines for this Thursday, October the 6th, 2022. I'm your host, Marquise Vandemark. Thanks for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. This is the Affirm America podcast with your host, Marquis Vandemark. And let's never forget, America is great and we affirm it. 